So, Michelle. So, David. Oh, my God. I just... I know. When's it we, all going to end? I know. We had, we, we had a week off and then all of a sudden there was so much going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, and, you know, I, I, I want to get into... I really mm. want to get into this. Is There is a lot going on. There's all sorts of things going on all over the world, but we know what everyone wants to talk about right now. It has something to do with the Middle East. It's got something to do with the Levant. I don't know. Um, and the one thing I do want to specify right now is I do not want to get into the political we so are this one. not picking sides. Do yeah. not ask me to pick a side. No. I'm not picking a side. I'm merely reporting the intelligence as it has appeared before me, and I am applying my analysis to wit. Well, let's do it then. All right. You're listening to I Spy, the intelligence failure of Australian intelligence. Well, you know, uh, I had it on very good authority that you were going to be here last week, and you weren't here last week. And yep. all of my sources said you were going to be here, and I assumed you were going to be here. So I've been sitting in this room for a week, and I smell bad. Is that what that is? It's, yeah, it's me. I did send a WhatsApp. Oh, oh, it's encrypted. Oh, no, I yes, I got it. But I chose to ignore that because that's not how you were meant to behave. Okay, Egypt. Hello and welcome to I Spy. My name is Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan. And look, a few things have been going on since we've kind of had a couple of weeks off. We had an impromptu break. We did. We had an impromptu break. Now, Israel, we we have to talk about Israel, Gaza. To. But particularly, we want to focus on the security side of things and how it happened and how it happened and how, how it did not get picked up because yeah. this is some interesting stuff we're not going to weigh into anything political because it's just a minefield if so we to speak. do drift into that area i'm going to reel you in reel me in yeah. I like to be perfectly honest i think the best quote i've seen from this is there are no heroes in this situation no. right and i'm that's how i'm focusing on this one but what's really important in this is if we do get into political weeds and you have an objection or you want to pull me up or you want to agree or anything, Anything like that at iSpied Podcast on the artist formerly known as Twitter, also known as X. <laughs> um, which is, I'm just calling it Binfire now because it's an absolute Binfire. <laughs> dumpster. Yeah. Right. So just come on to Dumpster, find us there at iSpied Podcast. So what happened? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, I, this is one of those things that Israel is, you know, they, they have their, their fingers in a lot of pies. Their yeah. spies are everywhere and they know everything. Now, so. here's the interesting point that's been made. And it comes mm. down, it all actually really comes down to the missile strike on the Gaza hospital, right? So there was that Palestinians, Hamas, immediately turned around and said it was an Israeli airstrike. And, of course, Israel turned around and went, no, 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 it was a failed launch of a Palestinian missile. And we should say it doesn't help things that the, the, there is a lot of misinformation out there. Yes. And a lot of it is coming from Hamas, yes. but a lot of it's being amplified by Russian bots. Yeah, and also, but there's a lot of there's misinformation coming from both sides. Absolutely, but like also it's more prevalent from Hamas mm-hmm. um, because that is how, as we know, that, that a lot of these groups like to win wars and that's through misinformation. Yeah, through the misinformation war. Now, the interesting thing is evidence and intelligence suggests that it was likely a misfired missile. The interesting point that was made by somebody- From, we don't know yet, but the, the PIP, I think it is, the Palestinian- Oh, it's yes. definitely, be, it'd be Hamas missile. If it, if it was a misfire, it's a Hamas missile. One of the interesting points is, and I've again, I've seen this sort of stuff on my deep trolls on Reddit, there's interesting footage, like there's footage of a building in Gaza Mm. and then out of nowhere, a missile 
well, a bomb, really, just strikes the building and it's gone. Well, And it, it flattens itself. Now, the thing is, it's the accuracy is amazing, right? This is a JDAM. This is a weapon designed to follow a laser to its site, right? Now, the interesting thing is- But it some- didn't really hit a- a building, though. No, 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 this isn't this isn't that strike. Okay, it's not right. the hospital strike. Okay. This is just a random strike okay, in Gaza. Right. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is, as someone said, as you know, the Israelis didn't do it because they wouldn't have missed. Now, here's the thing. Yes, they would. The, the problem we've got at the moment with a lot of people is people see Israel as being infallible in their military mm. and intelligence. And the thing is, what's happened in the last two weeks proves uncategorically that they are not infallible. Yeah, so let's get down to basics. Let's go let's start at the very beginning yep. because the how this all happened and what we we've found now that there's you know all these secret tunnels under Gaza, there's yep. there's rockets, there's arms, they're heavily armed. They'd been planning a lot of this first strike yep. for 2 years, I think it right was. About 2 years, yeah. yeah. It'd take that long and Israel missed it. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, just to break down how you can have an intelligence failure, because the thing about intelligence gathering- And, and I should say, sorry to interrupt, this is similar. We're going to break this down in a similar way that we look at September 11. Yeah, exactly. Perfectly. Way, which is, again, another intelligence failure. Yes. Right? Intelligence failures happen because, one, information is not available. You either underestimate or overestimate your enemy's intentions. Mm. There's a lack of communication between your own intelligence agencies. One of the most important things to remember, and I think this may be the problem that we have here with um, this situation, is what's known as received opinion or conventional wisdom, aka wishful thinking. This is how we see the situation. Nothing you tell us is going to change that. Mm. Now, what's very interesting about this is the Egyptians have said, we warned you about this. They said, we don't know what's going to happen, but we know something big is Mm. brewing. Now, the tunnels that lead into Gaza come out in Egypt. That's how they get in and out. Now, Egypt would obviously monitor that. They'd know if materiel and people are coming in and out. Mm. So the Egyptians turning around and saying, we believe this is going to happen. What happened was the Israelis immediately turned around and said, well, that's not what our intelligence is telling us, so forget it. Don't worry about it. So it's kind of like a Putin-esque situation. Kind of. I mean, the interesting thing about when you say a Putin-esque situation is, let's be perfectly honest, our guy Joe, Sleepy Joe Biden, did turn around when the Russian troops were gathering Mm -hmm. and went, yeah, guys, this is going to go down. And everyone went, no, 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 it's saber rattling. Here we are nearly two years later Mm. and it's still going on. The three-day military exercise has expanded. No, I just mean like um, Putin doesn't like to listen to anything that counteracts. Oh, yeah, totally. That's that's totally true. Now, there's that sort of thing. The other thing that can get in in the way is poor tradecraft. That is also very evident in the fact that there was this – the tunnel system under Gaza is well known. What they didn't realise was basically Hamas knew the capability of the Israeli intelligence services and went, well, how do we counteract that? We go back to basic tradecraft. One, we have a closed communication system. So there was no Mm. digital communication, no mobile phones, no computers. They used landlines. Landlines built a landline system. Basically, they built a PBX under their city and that's how they communicated between cells. Second thing they did, face-to-face meetings, right? Mm. So that's it. Finally, and the most important thing, and they've discovered this with prisoners they've picked up, is basically the prisoners have said that, look, we've been training for months, but no one told us what was going on. So essentially what they've done is they compartmentalised everything like crazy, kept the plans very, very, very tight to their chest, and then waited for the one moment they knew that 
Israelis would be going, yeah, not a not a problem now. It's literally a long weekend. Mm. Now, interestingly enough, 50 years ago, something very similar happened called the Yom Kippur War. Right. Right. So conventional wisdom back in 1973, right, was that Egypt would never, will not invade Israel ever again. They won't attack us, right? And they said, and the other conventional wisdom was without Egypt, Syria won't move either. Mm. Now, at this point, Jordan had actually gone, we don't want any part of this. They got their ass kicked in the 1967 war and basically went, yeah, we're out. We don't want to play with this anymore. The thinking behind this reasoning was we have an air force, Israel has an air force that is you know, dominant. It will destroy anything that comes near us. So no one's going to attack us. The king of Jordan actually flew into Israel, into Tel Aviv, into what's called the Mossad house, a little guest house that Mossad have, met with the then Prime Minister Golda Meir and went, something's going on. We think Egypt and Syria are going to attack. Mm. And Golda Meir went, I'm sorry, but that's not what our intelligence says. And then suddenly they were attacked and they had to scramble to save their asses. You think you would take any information from other countries as maybe something you might want to look into. Yeah, well that's the thing. It's like they were going their their reasoning was Egypt were, Egypt are not going to attack us one because we've got a better air force and two they're not going to attack us because they know they can't wipe us off the map. That was not Egypt's intention. Egypt didn't want to wipe my, mm. Israel off the map. Egypt just wanted to get the Sinai back. Actually, they didn't want the whole Sinai Desert back because in the 67 war they lost it to Israel. They just wanted the other side of the Suez Canal so it became theirs again. Mm. Right? The Suez was controlled by Egypt and then Israel basically took the Sinai right up to the Suez Canal and I think it was closed for a couple of years. Right, So this was the thing. So jump back to now, again, Benjamin Netanyahu was told by the Egyptians, and there is there is human coming out of Egypt that this is actually what happened. Yeah. The Egyptians went, mate, something's going on. You better keep an eye on Hamas. They're going to do something. To which Netanyahu turned around and went, not worried about Hamas in Gaza because we know that all the trouble is coming from the occupied territories and we're focused solely on that. We're mm. focused on Jerusalem. We're fo- focused on the West Bank. We're not worried about Gaza because Gaza is broken. Well, Gaza was not broken. Gaza broke out and kicked their ass very yeah. briefly and very badly. It was an appalling It was act, horrific. Right? So this is the problem we have. Poor tradecraft. It's very obvious that the human that the Israelis have, that they think they might have, is absolutely flawed because this took place right under their nose and they weren't talking to the right people in Hamas. They obviously don't have anyone in there. Well, it's also interesting too because a lot of the leaders of Hamas live in Qatar and like yeah. they're not even anywhere kind of near what's going on. So how this all kind of happened and how they kept it secret for two years would have the Israelis definitely looking closely at their intelligence. Oh, they will be having a huge review. Both the IDF and the intelligence community Mm. in Israel have said, we dropped the ball on this, we know we've got it wrong. Even Netanyahu came out, he made a speech today that was not a good speech to make. Oh, Netanyahu, let's be clear too, Netanyahu is not that great. Well, can we actually, (laughs) while we're talking about Bibi, let's talk about Bibi because there's a couple of things that we really need to understand about what's going on personally with him. One, he's got the political issue of these protests that have been going on about his judicial reforms. He's got a legal issue, a personal legal issue with allegations 
of corruption. Well, because and I do have to say, there's a lot of people that there's always people who come up with these conspiracy theories. Yeah. So there's conspiracy theories that he allowed this to happen because it'll justify him having a war, which will allow him to stay in power yep. and say, "Look, you needed me." Yep. Anyway, continue. Yep. Yeah. Now, the other thing, and this is a really big thing that don't people, it's not a common fact, but it, it is kind of common. It's well known. But just if you didn't know this, Netanyahu served in the special forces in IDF. Mm. He actually served. He was under under fire. He was in action in Lebanon. His brother then took his position in that squad. He was literally the commander of the same troops that he were. They were the guys that went to Entebbe to rescue the hostages that had been taken by the PLFPEO. Mm. So the Palestinian Liberation Front Executive Office or something, they basically hijacked an Air France plane, flew it to Uganda, and the Israelis went in to get them. Mm. The leader of that group was one Yonatan Netanyahu, Bibi's little brother, yeah. right? The operation was originally called Operation Thunderbolt. It was then changed to Operation Yonatan because Yonatan was the only Israeli casualty. He died. Right. He was killed. His body was dragged back onto the plane. And there is that, you know, that thought that Netanyahu was never going to forgive Palestine for right. taking his brother from him. Right. So there's that. Now, another thing you need to understand about him is he's the leader of Likud, which is the dominant party of the coalition that is governing Israel. Just another idea. In the last four years, they've had five elections in Israel. That's how unstable it is politically. That's crazy. And it is pushing further right. Because yeah. even though Likud and the coalition is very right wing, Likud is the most moderate party in that right, right wing. Which is interesting. <laughs> now, here's an interesting point. Yeah. There's a, you ever heard of a guy called Itamar Ben-Gavir? No. Ben-Gavir, I like to call him Iti just because I don't know him. Ben-Gavir is the Minister of National Security in Netanyahu's cabinet. Right. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Ben-Gavir... The Minister of National Security, mind mm. you, so this is a pretty big wheel in this situation, is not allowed on the War Council. Okay, why? Right, because here he is. He's an Israeli settler from the occupied territories. He's a member of the far-right Otzma Yehud. And here's the great thing, supporter of Kach. Okay. Right, now, Kach is a religious ext Zionist extremist organization that has been labeled by as a terrorist organization by Israel, right? <laughs> He's vehemently anti-Arab. He basically believes that if you're not a Jewish citizen of Israel, get out. Right? Okay. You've got three options. You leave. We kick you out and wreck you, uh, what is it? compensate you for any losses or we just kick you out. Right. right. He was rejected by the IDF. Now, if you're an Israeli citizen, you must serve. You are yes. you're conscripted into the yes. IDF. The IDF rejected him as being too extreme. Well, I mean, that says a lot. Yeah, it says a lot, okay? Now, he's currently demanding that the Knesset force Bibi to expand the War Council to put him on it. You know you're not the kind of guy that they want around if they're not put your job is national security and they're not putting you on a War Council. Yeah. Right, so the other So there's problem a lot of internal machinations that are really not very cohesive. Look, it's not – look, as much as we say that – you know, Hamas is bad, and Hamas is bad. It is essentially a terrorist organization. It is a tense terrorist that organization. That is dedicated to annihilating Israel. They yes. want to wipe Israel off the map, which is why they're a perfect fit for Iran, because Iran have also said, we want to wipe Israel yes. off the map. But this is the problem, all right? It's two wrongs trying to make a right, and mm. it's not going to work. No one's going to compromise. No one's going to give any field. And now we've got two US carrier groups sitting off the Levant. Now, interestingly enough, I don't know if you 
read about this, an Ali Burke class destroyer. So a US destroyer. And these things are absolute terrors of the ocean, right? These are, you know, anti-missile warships. Yeah. So the Ali Burke was off yeah. Yemen. Yemen launched some drones and some cruise missiles that might have been heading towards Israel. Yeah. The Ali Burke took them all down. It was like something like nine nine projectiles in the air. Yeah. Now, everyone, a lot of- There was four missiles and 15 drones. Right. So a lot of popular thinking was that was the Ali Burke in the US turning around and saying to everyone else in the Middle East, guys, step back. Yeah, because, yeah, so basically it's been confirmed that Saudi Arabia intercepted a missile barrage heading towards Israel from Mm -hmm. Iran back to Houthis in Yemen with the US Navy's USS Kani also intercepting four missiles and 15 drones. So, yeah, probably more more missiles. But the interesting thing about that Kani, that launch from the USS Kani, Mm. was it wasn't just a message to the Middle East going, settle down, let us sort this out. It was also a big message to Israel going, don't get any ideas, boys. Yeah. Because we are sitting right off your coastline and we will take anything that you any, – any, any, Anything that gets lobbed in either direction. Any major o- object. Like yeah. you've got the Iron Dome over over Israel that is protecting them from most I of the – I always think of like – when I think of Iron Dome, I think of Stark <laughs> from like um, the Marvel Universe. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like – it sounds very Marvel Universe to I me. think the Simpsons movie myself. But anyway, okay. all right, that big glass dome that they put over yeah. Springville. This literally is a problem 2,000 years in the making. Mm. And what's interesting about it is all of these – it has the hallmarks of so many other intelligence failures that have happened, right? There's a really interesting one. Just as an – I put it out there as an example of how intelligence can be badly used, Mm -hmm. right? So the 1983 bombing of the Marine barracks in Beirut, right? Terrible. Like killed a whole heap of people. And basically – they drove the, I think it was um, Hezbollah, I'm not sure, Al Fatah, one of those, one of the Lebanese based terrorist groups, drove a truck full of explosives into the into the, the barracks itself mm. and de- detonated it and killed like 200 Marines. Now, the thing about that is this was a litany of failures of intelligence. One, the FBI had been given a memo that Lebanese terrorist groups were creating explosives using acetylene bottles. Mm. So what they were doing, they were putting acetylene bottles together and then wrapping those acetylene bottles in other acetylene bottles that have been wrapped in explosives. So basically what you've done is you've reinforced the explosive. It makes it doubly dangerous. So they had a memo saying, these guys are building these things, so you may want to check out anyone buying acetylene in Mm -hmm. Lebanon. They never bothered to pass it on to the Department of Defence. So the Department of Defence, who were on the ground in Lebanon, weren't looking for this. The other thing was... They had a lot of information about what was going on outside of Beirut because they they were getting satellite footage of these guys practicing driving trucks through obstacles, right? And they were going, gee, that's an interesting thing. I wonder what they're doing that for, Mm. right? No one bothered to make the connection that that looks like our compound or, you know, the security zone leading up into our compound. And the basic thing was post the the incident, Mm. the commander of the Marines in Beirut turned around to his intelligence arm and went, you can tell me what's going on in the Bekar Valley in full detail. You can't tell me what's going on outside our gate. Yep. And this was the thing. The, basic ad- the problem with this moment was US military intelligence was going, we've got to keep an eye on Bekar Valley because that's where they are. Not bothering to go, what, what, what are they doing in the Bekar Valley and how does it relate to where we are? And this is this idea of underestimating and overestimating your enemy, but also 
having that received opinion, that conventional wisdom that says this is what's going to happen, this is what we do, therefore this is what our so enemy So then how do. can Israel, how could this have gone better? Like how do you think Israel, because it re- regardless of whether Egypt had warned them, yeah. surely there would have been other signs yeah, that well, there was, was one on. really, really big sign, all right? Now, what happened was there was a lot of activity the day before mm. the actual breakout. There was a lot of activity around the wall, right? And there were IDF troops on the other side of the wall looking at it going on, and they were like, there's a lot of activity going over there. Should we do something about this? Mm. Now, the important moment was a commanding officer basically went, we've had no threat assessment to tell us anything's going on. The conventional wisdom is currently saying that these guys are pacified and aren't going to do anything, ignore it, Mm. right? So it was another one of those ones where somewhere in the chain of the command, no one had bothered to go, are we actually piecing all of this together? Mm. And this is one of the things that happens in intelligence, particularly- It's like pieces of information on their own look innocuous, but when you start putting them together, it starts to clear a picture. One of the things is the fact that intelligence often becomes captive of policy, right? Mm. So our policy is we want this to happen. This is what our policy is in in this regard. And intelligence goes, actually, you can't do that because of the following bits of information we've mm. got. No, ignore that. Find the stuff that supports our intelligence. So weapons of mass destruction in Iraq is another, is regarded as a massive intelligence failure, mainly because the intelligence they were getting was wrong. Well, uh, well so no, it I, wasn't I, wrong. I, it was misapplied. A lot of people question if it even existed, but yes. <laughs> well, the thing is, you can, if you have an argument, mm. I mean- Thank, thank you, internet. If I have an opinion, I can find five people on the internet you that will agree, agree with, with me. You. Right now, that's the problem with intelligence. Now yeah. is we've got too many people that are going. This is the result we want. Find the evidence to back it, as opposed to this is the evidence we yes. found. What does this tell us? And this is what happened with weapons of mass destruction. Now, yeah, I think still I remember watching Colin Powell sit in the National Security mm. the Security Council stating the case and just the look on his face was like, this is bullshit and I know it, Yeah. right? But the conventional wisdom at the time was he's obviously doing it. Now, it turns out that he'd actually been liaising with North Korea yep. for guided missiles and he uh, this is Saddam Hussein and he'd also been liaising with the doctor of death, this uh, atomic physicist from Pakistan. Oh, I'm sure there was. Pakistan. Yeah, I'm but the sure thing there is there's no evidence he had There was it. threads. There was yes. threads that didn't really lead to anything concrete. But- Policy turned around to intelligence mm. and went, we need you to find this, right? Yeah, of and course. that's one of the big problems is to turn around and go, this is what's going to happen. You know, we, this is what's going to happen, so make sure we've got evidence to back but it. But surely you would think that Israel would have spies in Gaza. You'd think. But if Hamas have gone, we know how these guys operate, we know what they're doing – they're going to be very, look breaking breaking into an organization like Hamas is like breaking into Fort Knox. These mm. guys play their cards very close. They do not trust. How long did it take to find Osama bin Laden? Yeah, and it took polio vaccines to find him, which is then, of course, as we've discussed now in it's an earlier one, screwed everything no up. No one's then. got yeah. pol- everyone's catching polio in the yes, because um, no one trusts the people who give you the vaccine. Yeah, the border countries of yeah. um, Afghanistan and Pakistan, right? So the whole thing is basically. Hamas would have looked at anyone new and gone, yeah, love you to join us. Go over to that cell over there and work with them for a while. And that's just the blind, right? Mm. That's where we can see if you really are a 
going to be a member of Hamas or you are a you know, human intelligence asset for somebody else. So that's one thing. Al-Qaeda, these guys are really good at doing this because they know how these big organisations work. They yep. know how the national organisations work. So the other thing is the tendency to predict the enemy's actions on what you would do. It's mirror image. They call it mirror imaging yep. where you go, well, we wouldn't do that, so why would they? Well, they're going to do that because – you're not. Well, okay, so now let's bring this from a security perspective back home to Australia and what ASIO would be keeping an eye out and all all of, you know, our um our security services keeping an eye out for because now we've, you know, we've got issues mm. with Palestinians here. Yeah. We've got a lot of anti-Semitism. Yeah. What would be what would be going on from an Australian perspective? It's going to be busy up in Canberra right now. Yeah. Okay, so in the bin Chifley building right now, yes, Palestinians are going to be watched. Not all of them, right? The the great thing is, uh, take it as an example, and you know the rhetoric that came out after the Palestinian demonstration that wound up at the Opera House with their, like while they're lighting the Opera House with the Israeli flag or the Israeli colours, and down on the steps are mm. uh, Palestinian protesters chanting "Gas the Jews." Well, okay, so Dumb. when we say protesters, it was one or two. This wasn't like oh no no it wasn't yeah exactly yeah, that's what I mean. And we've got to be clear because a lot of people kind of. And the, what was said was abhorrent and Stupid. these people should 100% face whatever it is that will be handed to them. But we, there were a lot of peaceful protesters and there were a lot of Palestinians who actually told them to go away and yeah, try to shut them yeah. up. Now, so. But here's the thing, right? Personally, from the footage that I saw of those guys mm. chanting what they were chanting, I'm just like going, you're a bunch of dickheads. Well, yeah, they're just uh, – A bunch of young dickheads they're full of piss and vinegar. Bogan, Bogan Aussies. Bogans, right? Yeah. Who think, yeah, this will be funny. Ha ha, yeah. let's do it. No, you've just made yourself look like a bunch of prats and you've put your it's the own same as cause the, it's back. It's the same as the Nazis that we have here. Like, so yeah. what What would they be keeping an eye out for now? Because it does feel like there's a little tension in the air and a lot of this stuff is heating up. They're slightly. going to be looking at people that are planning on doing any kind of incident. The fact that you've got families in the eastern suburbs, mm. the Jewish families in the eastern suburbs who are basically turning around saying, we're, we're not sending our kids to school in school uniform, right? All of, yeah, and and like a lot, I mean, the Jewish schools do have a lot of security, oh, but the, God, the federal yeah. government has had to um, give some money out for a lot of other schools to ramp up their security needs. Now, the what they're going to be looking at, they're going to be looking at any right wing anti semite yes. movements and to ju- who would jump on board on who this. would jump on board. Yeah. Well, they're going to be looking at any Palestinian groups that may think that they can get away with doing something like creating an incident. They're also probably going to, and then, look, they, this would have to happen. There will be uh, extreme Zionist people in the country yeah. and they're going to be watching them too. Yes. They're basically going to watch anyone who's going to have an extreme reaction to this. The problem being, right, as we said before, there are no heroes in this. There really no. aren't. This there's like if you want to go, we could go down the rabbit hole of what it's like to live in the West Bank or in the occupied territories as a Palestinian as opposed to an Israeli, and it's awful. Look, I think, and look, what happened to is the Israelis, particularly the the young ones, and and a lot of um the old ones and the the babies and stuff. It is abhorrent. These are incredible atrocities that. Sh- 
are disgusting and should never have happened. But then, you know, I watched a video today of um, the bureau chief for Al Jazeera. Yeah. He was reporting and uh, Israeli shell hit his family's safe house and he lost his, his daughter? Wife, yeah. wife, son, daughter and grandchild. Yeah. So I also could not. And he's, he's there doing the work and, like, making sure that everyone knows what's going on. So – Yes, there's a lot of misinformation. Oh, yeah. Yes, it's politicised, but also there are a lot of facts and I don't think either side wins in it. Yeah, and look, ultimately there's um, the conspiracy theory that came out that, you know, Netanyahu knew this was going to happen and let it happen because it's it just was, disgraceful. I mean, that they, doesn't they, help. They did, they did the same thing with September 11. Yeah. They said, you know, they, these the government makes money off selling arms, which, yes, there, yeah. there are companies that do, and, yes, it's wrong, yeah. but I I highly doubt any leader would allow these things to happen. I mean, there is the old thing that I think it was, was it Roosevelt? I can't remember who it was. I think it was Roosevelt. Let They knew that Pearl Harbor was going to happen, they let it happen. Yeah. But here's the thing about doing that, all right? If it ever gets out, you're worse than screwed. But, but also, like, do you think – do you think those secrets would be so tightly kept that no one would ever find out? Like, Well, that's the great thing. I mean, the, the greatest secret that was ever to be kept from the American people was the deal that Russia and America did over the Cuban Missile Crisis, and that was out in three, three years later. We mm. knew. It's like when everyone says that the moonshot is fake, I'm sorry, the number of people it would take to fake <laughs> the moonshot – I think it would be out by now that it yeah. was. We know it was fake, right? The evidence you use is all oh, the flags not waving. It's in a zero G environment. Well, a one six G environment with no atmosphere. It's not going to wave. Um, and also, you know, we do need to touch on, and probably not right now, but also while this is going on, we still have Putin and Ukraine. So, yeah. Well, well, but also. Apparently, Putin's had a heart attack. So, oh, yeah, well, there's that as well. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, there's a. I was just reading before I walked into the studio, I was reading this little article that's come out in TASS, which is the Russian news agency, mm. basically saying, well, America are now sending 12,000 troops. Well, when you, like, they actually have sent, I think it's about 4,000 Marines spread across those two carrier groups. Mm. And the whole thing was, it's basically go, Oh, hang on. If you take everybody that's working on those carrier groups, it adds up to about 12,000 people. It's not 12,000 troops, but they're trying to make out like the US is going to go on the ground offensive. No, they're just they're, they're just they're trying to keep the peace. The worst thing that's going to happen now is the ground offensive that's going to go into northern Gaza. Like as just as a point if anyone's wondering, Gaza, what's the big deal about Gaza? Gaza is about half the size of Canberra. Yeah. And has and- had like four million or two million. Yeah, it was million. two million. Two million people. Two million, and se- I think something like seventy percent were children. Yeah, right. It's this is not going to end well for anyone. No, and if for anyone who thinks oh, Bibi did it on purpose, it's not going to end well for him. This is he's already said he's got to accept responsibility for the intelligence failure. Oh, and yeah. he does. And also, hey, you can be the greatest world time leader in the world, but once that war's over. As Winston Churchill will tell you, so's your goddamn career. You've done your job. We're not happy. We need to move on, bugger off. And I think yeah. this could be – it could be a bit of a death knell for Bibi. I mean, he is the most – like his political machinations he's, are extraordinary. He's not a great man. There's an interesting video that I found, and I will post it if I can – I think I've found, I've saved it. But it's a video of him in someone's lounge room. He's talking in Hebrew, but he's – it's translated. He's basically talking about how he gained the – Oslo Accords. One of the big things with the Oslo Accords was, you know, 
West Bank becomes Palestinian, Gaza becomes Palestinian, anybody living in between, right? But anything that is a military installation is exempt. Now, Bibi was only working in the Knesset at the time. He, or I think it was, um, I can't remember, it wasn't Ariel Sharon. Was it Sharon? I can't remember which president it was, but Bibi was involved in it. Mm. Bibi basically turned around to the H.W. Bush and went, we need you to tell us that we have last say on what's a military installation or not. Right, so Bush went. Yeah, here's a letter, and he went. Have you given that to Hamas and he or to the Palestinians? And he went, No. What do they need to know? It's like, well, we won't sign the accords until the Palestinians know that we are the ones that determine what a military installation is. Oh, okay. As soon as the letter went, they signed the accords, and then Bibi went round and went. Okay, sorry, the entire Jordan Valley is now a military installation, and every time a settler wants to move into a house, they just go. This is now a military installation. You need to leave. And then the settler moves in. So it's like he's gaming what is meant to be he's a gaming peace the deal. system. Because that's, but this is the thing with Bibi. He is an incredible politician, mm-hmm. right? Say what you want, venal, evil, whatever. This guy has an agenda and he is working to it. Now, the agenda I do not think would extend to the fact that are we going to let, what, 1,400 Israelis die, including all of these kids enjoying a oh, music it's festival? Terrible. No, he's not going to stretch to that. But is he going to take advantage of it? Hell yes. Right. And this is a real issue is he's not pulling punches now. The latest speech that he made as of the recording of this, he basically turned around and said, we are the light, they are the dark, and we will enact the prophecy of Isaiah, which is basically- Declaring war. This is all out war. And religious war. I mean, this is the problem is- this is all-out religious war and there is no winners here no. and it's not going to get better and it's going to go on for a while. And look, I have I live in a Jewish neighbourhood in, in Sydney. I have a lot of friends that are Jewish and what's really interesting is some of them have been very much like, well, why haven't you come out and supported Israel? And my answer is because I don't support either side. And you know what? I am staying completely neutral in this one. I will call it as I see it. And if you are offended by that, I'm sorry, but that's just the way I'm leaning at the moment. I can't find good in any side of this argument. Well, as a journalist, I have to stay, yeah, you- stay as neutral as possible and while just reporting yeah. on what comes to light and when it comes to light. And which comes back to this thing mm. about the intelligence failure. Yeah. As an intelligence officer, you have to remain neutral. You can't get passionately involved in the information you're dealing with. And I think the problem we have and I think Australia used to have the problem. I think we've grown out of it. I think we've curated our intelligence organisations now that they are pretty apolitical. I think the problem that Israel have at the moment is they aren't. They are working to policy as opposed to shaping policy around the intelligence they're getting. It's yeah. just the way it is. It's like, it's sad. Yeah. Not as sad as talking Israel and Palestine. Yeah, that's a really, <laughs> this has been a hard episode. I, I know. Can't, I can't wait to get back to something light like Putin's heart attack. That's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also the Danish guy that's been hit, the Danish foreign minister who's been tailed by his own intelligence. Look, there is so much going on at the moment. I just need more people falling out of windows, please. Well, hey, you know, that that could happen at any time. Yep. 